on the Deakin Uni Committee, we, we kind of did this networking conversations last night and we had invited our good old friend, Joe Morrison. I connected with him on LinkedIn and we had a coffee and whatnot. A few weeks later, he just emailed me saying, hey, a colleague of mine is looking for someone on a part-time basis at Cricket. Would you like to do it? And I was like, well then, sure thing. Oh. I always had a pretty clear goal of working for the FIFA Women's World Cup, whether that was going to be in Australia or not. I was interviewing within this job as well as a job at Golf Australia and I missed the phone call because we were all at our All Star Forum at Cricket Australia. <laughs> but then they shot me a text and I was like, hey, can't reach you, but we'd like to offer you the job. Can you give me a call back? And I was like, oh my goodness, the penalty shootout of the Matildas versus France. I was lucky enough to be in the crowd for that. And I'm telling you, the noise after Courtney Vine scored, unreal. It's going to live in my head rent free for the rest of time. <laughs> G'day guys, coming up on the show today, we have Francesca Tay, or as we love to call her, Franny. Franny is the World Cup Legacy Program Manager at Football Australia, who has an incredible background with some epic organisations such as our beloved Cricket Australia. Lately, she's been heavily involved with the Matildas, and today she joins us to talk about what her role as a Legacy Manager is all about and what it looks like. Franny is super passionate about women's sports, events, operations, and she's had an incredible career journey so far that we are super keen to jump into. So let's go. I started volunteering. It's all about who you know in sport. Am I going to be calling the last 10 seconds of the grand final? You can connect with the interviewer. The hand goes up when they've got to make a decision. Having a network is one of the most important things you can do. I didn't necessarily follow my passion. I followed my curiosity. Once you've worked in sport, there's no going back. And then lo and behold, before I left, I got offered two. Hello and welcome to the Sports Grad Podcast, the ultimate guide to make it in the sports industry. I'm Ryan Walker and joining me is the man from the lagoon, Ruben Williams. We are two mates who met at Cricket Australia and each week we learn how people made it in the sports industry. We tease out some of their career decisions, their work habits, their skills and everything that they do that makes them great. Also that you can learn how to get in, get promoted and get thriving in the sports industry. Mr. Lagoon himself, how are we, my friend? G'day, Ryan. I'm doing well, thank you. I've had a shower. I've used shampoo in my hair. I've, I've shaved my face. I've I've come back. I've I've ditched the the Tom Hanks castaway <laughs> persona and uh, I'm feeling myself again. But um, I'm rejuvenated after uh, a few nights at a butterfly valley in uh, in Turkey, which is a a nice little cove that is only accessible by a boat. But um. Provided one of the more spectacular work from anywhere desks that I've ever had <laughs> in my life. It was only just last Monday morning that I logged on, tethered to my phone. We had a normal Monday morning catch up and then it was straight into to speed networking where my backdrop was uh, <laughs> my tent and a few trees around me whilst <laughs> I looked out into the ocean. So I thought this, this is pretty good. <laughs> it was definitely giving uh, castaway vibes. Uh, certainly, <laughs> uh, I almost regret I should have called you that at the start of the episode. Uh, but Mr. Mr. Lagoon or the Lagoon man suits just fine, but uh, yeah, that that is one of the great uh, where from anywhere spots, I must say. Uh, and yeah, speed, we, we're actually we're building a pretty good resume of speed networking spots now. Like, mm. we've got members who join from like literally doing their job. We've had Chris McPherson, who we had on the pod, join from literally emceeing a football match or a rugby match. I'm not sure what it was, but you're, uh, you're, you've got a bit of a list going of pretty cool spots, uh, which is great. So uh, it's unreal. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And uh, the meetups are coming up real quick. We've got uh, Franny Tay on the show today, who's going to be one of our panelists in Sydney. Uh, she's a, a wonderful friend of the show and mm. um, and uh, someone who's like my career is kind of like um, followed the entire way. Keep joking about, oh, we're just going to follow each other from the next role to the next role. Yeah. But um, she she's a wonderful, wonderful advocate of um, what we do at Sports Crowd and the benefits of networking and LinkedIn and getting yourself, getting your name out there. And um, one other person who is probably the best at that sort of stuff of anybody we've ever had on the podcast is a guy called Aman Alawalia. Those who listen to us regular, regularly will know that we refer to Aman quite often. And uh, recently in London, I finally got the chance to meet Aman. So me, us and Aman, we connected with him three years ago now, I reckon. I reckon he hit our inbox in like late Mm. 2020 and we connected with him so that we, he could be the first guest of on the show in 2021. Yeah. And uh, three years later, myself and Aman are finally in the same country at the same time. We crossed over in London for a total of about three hours. He arrived, touched down at Heathrow at 7 a.m. He had to get to Euston train station to catch a train to Birmingham at 10.30, which means he had about like an hour window of sitting at the train station waiting yeah. where he was available. And the night before, I'd just been at the Socceroos versus England at Wembley. And so the next day, I was also getting ready to take off to Turkey that afternoon and um, went and met Aman for an hour. We sat there, had a coffee, waiting, sitting at the train station, and finally got to uh, meet this person who I'd chatted to online so many times face-to-face, which was um, a wonderful experience when you get to connect with other people from the other side of the world. So it's funny how this podcast and just meeting random people mm-hmm. on the sports industry journey leads to these, these wonderful connections. But uh, that's what those meetups are all about. You never know who you are going to meet. In fact, it was the Sydney meetup where I met Francisco who I stayed with in Lisbon. So yeah, this is a big episode. And uh, if you want to meet Franny, um, who knows what will come from it? Yeah. Awesome, mate. I, lo- I love that you met Aman. One of it, I reckon if there was a sports grad hall of fame, he'd be in it. Uh, one mm. of the first nominated. Uh, <laughs> so uh, no, it's unreal, and it's I love how you were just able to sit in the train station and have a coffee. You know, it doesn't need to be a big woo-ha, like let's get mm. a drink or something. It's like no, nah, let's just fill some time together. So that so is we, uh, we were, that is awesome. We were texting. We were like, we have to make this happen. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. like what yeah. time is your train leaving? I'll come to Birmingham if I have to. Like, we yeah. can't leave without <laughs> seeing each other. <laughs> yeah, ah, so good. Um. Speaking of the community, uh, what's been happening? Because there's a there's a bunch happening at the moment, uh, jobs mm. included. So give us a rundown. Yeah, well, a huge shout out to the entire community because the community have just hit 500 jobs for members, which is absolutely outstanding. Yeah. I feel like it wasn't that long ago that we announced 450 jobs and 400 jobs. So like they're starting to take off. The amount of networking opportunities and job opportunities that are coming up inside the community is just snowballing the effect for for members so well done to everyone who's picked up a, a role in that time uh, in particularly to the 12 members who are joining the the w and bbl um as a event day volunteers for the upcoming summer the wbbl is about to kick off and the bbl coming up around christmas time too so some amazing roles there so well done to those members who have just jumped on one of them we also have a bunch of roles that have been posted in the community. So if you are looking for one, make sure you jump on this at, um, tonight as soon as possible. 
First of all, we got the partnerships manager role at FIBA Oceania, working with uh, Amanda Jenkins, podcast guest from a couple mm. of years ago. That would be an amazing opportunity to work with her. She's an absolute legend. Pricing analyst at the Ticket Merchant, content and communications coordinator at Softball Australia. That's where uh, Hockey Australia CEO David Pryles got his first CEO experience before before progressing. So it might just be a great stepping stone for you as well. Then we have a marketing assistant at B in Sports who do an amazing job uh, with broadcasting sport. And then venue event venue event staff at Spark Event Group, which is a another amazing platform to to get your first casual gig before going on to uh, to big things. I think just about everyone in Victoria has done some sort of work with mm. Spark Event Group before progressing on. So um, Australian have Open a look at that as well. Australian Open is coming up. Yeah. Time to apply is now. So um. Lots of roles to to jump on. And uh, as always, we've got plenty of events coming up. We've got speed networking happening in the community uh, regularly. Uh, for SportsGrad Pro members, we've also got a very special sales masterclass coming up with Shannon Gove, co-founder of Rostify. And um, in a month's time as well, we've also got a negotiation masterclass Ooh. coming up with Pete Williams, who Pete Williams has started it and started about five businesses the first of which was when he was 21 he took the carpet from the mcg cut into 500 pieces and sold it back to members for 500 bucks a pop it was genius and um now he just runs like a um business accelerator type program out of Deakin university so he he's a great one but if you want to stay on top of everything that's going on in sports grad world and get a few tips to help your career along the work along the way Make sure that you subscribe to our newsletter, sportsgrad.com.au forward slash newsletter is where you can grab that and you won't miss a thing. Awesome, mate. Well, this is a massive episode, so let's get cracking. Enjoy this chat with Franny Tay. Before we jump into the episode, we've got a quick message from our good friends at Deakin University. Deakin has been a huge supporter of SportsGrad since day one. If you're currently studying or you've just finished studying, having a postgrad qualification in sports management on your resume can give you a huge leg up over other potential candidates applying for that same role. So if you want to pump up your resume and get specialized knowledge in sports behavior, law, marketing, ethics, finance, governance, and strategy, take a look at Deakin's postgrad qualifications. Their Master of Business in Sports Management is not one of but the best one in Australia, ranked at number one. So add a postgrad to your resume, and that's our tip for the episode. Franny, welcome to the SportsGrad podcast. Thanks for having me. You know, I've been wondering when you guys are going to invite me. I just had fun all of this time. I'm kidding. Really don't. <laughs> well, you were one of the OG guests, if you can cast your mind way back to, I think, probably 2018 when I dragged you back into the MCG and said, hey, Fran, can you be a guest on this rookie little youtube channel do you remember that i do i also remember it was very very windy and i think like the day you released when you did release it i listened to it and i was like all you hear is the wind and look at you guys now with fancy <laughs> microphones and booths and everything it's well, it's been a long journey since then hasn't it not only was it the wind it was also the day that they were turning the afl ground into a cricket ground so they were ripping up the middle of the pitch so there's like wind going off there's tractors in the middle like digging up dirt and in in the background of all that i'm trying to ask you questions about your career so uh yeah no one needs to go back and look at that this is this will be a much better insight and hopefully a cleaner insight as well 
yeah, let's just delete that video off the internet. Every now and then <laughs> someone finds it and I get a weird screenshot and it's just, let's get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> but Ryan's right. It has been a long time coming because um, I didn't think about this until probably right now, but you are probably my oldest sports industry friend because we met back at Deakin University when I joined the Deakin University Sports Society and you were on the committee at the time, but you only lasted about three months that I was there, I think, because you quickly got whisked off to, to Cricket Australia because someone recommended for you recommended you for a job and we later reconnected there. But I was wondering, like, who recommended you for that job and why do you think you got recommended before you'd even graduated uni? This is going to be a four-second moment for yourself too. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, on the Deakin Uni Committee, we, we kind of did this networking conversation slash nights, similar to what you guys do at Sports Grad. And we had invited our good old friend, Joe Morrison, to, to be a panelist. Um, and so after the, kind of one of the events we had, I, I connected with him on LinkedIn and we had a coffee and whatnot. And then a few weeks later, he just emailed me saying, hey, a colleague of mine is looking for someone on a part-time basis at Cricket. Would you like to do it? And I was like, well, then, sure thing. Um, and so literally that's kind of how it happened um, through a coffee slash connection with Joel. And it just kind of, the stars kind of aligned, to be honest. And next thing you know, my part-time contract at Cricket became full-time kind of two weeks in. And the rest is history, really. Amazing. Nice. Joel was also part of the uh, the OG YouTube series. And um, I didn't know Joel was the person who tipped you off because he was also the person who I called before my job interview and got all the tips and advice off. So there you go, Joel helping us both get into Cricket Australia. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure he was also the face of like Deacon Sports alumni or whatever because his face was on all the posters as well. And I was like, what? There was an <laughs> agreement between Joel and Deacon where, you know, a commercial agreement to put his mug on everything, which is fantastic. Sounds like um, the way to get a job in sports is to get in touch with Joel. Um, so those listening, um, just find him on LinkedIn and uh, flick him a message. I'm, I'm sure he wouldn't mind a few few hundred people getting in touch. Um, brilliant. Franny, well, we know you quite well, but our audience may not know you quite well. So as you know, you're, you're a keen listener of the podcast, obviously. Uh, we do start each episode with some quick fire questions to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, so I'll, I'll start. Um, well, I think we've just touched on this, but what was your first ever job? doesn't need to be post uni, any job. Oh, I think my first ever job was literally at the KFC, the local KFC. Um, and I did that the moment I turned 16. So, you know, peak career. (laughs) Put in the work early. Absolutely. And then from there, I literally went to schnitz. So I went from a chicken shop to another chicken shop. <laughs> I was just like, this is the way. I'll just keep jumping from chicken shops. <laughs> that's great. That, that's where those elite so. That's where <laughs> those elite customer service skills came from. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I was doing KFC for two years and then schnitz for two years. I know all about customer service. <laughs> Must go Amazing. to a chicken store. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say next quick fire question what did you study at university uh studied sports management at, at Deakin University um just funnily where I met Ruben nice uh the people's uni we love it um what's your uh your favorite sporting moment uh oh I think it has to be something that happened only two, two months ago yeah. um I'm sure a lot of people listening to your podcast would have also seen this moment, but it was the penalty shootout 
one of the Matildas versus France France match. Um, I was lucky enough to be in the crowd for that. Uh, and I'm telling you, the noise after Courtney Vine scored, unreal. It's going to live in my head rent-free for the rest of time. Vine time. We love it. Amazing. And uh, what is one favourite interview question that you like to ask of uh, new candidates? It's always intriguing to find out what people's goals are long-term. Uh, I think, you know, all of us, all three of us at least uh, on this know that in sport there's so many different roles and people are jumping in and, out, in and out of roles pretty frequent. So I think knowing that people want to be in sport long-term always helps just because, you know, there's a lot of burnout in working in sport. And so if someone doesn't really have a, a mindset about where they want to be in five, 10 years, it's it's probably not the greatest, but not necessarily a bad thing to be honest, but it's always intriguing. Nice. Uh, are you associated with any grassroots sporting clubs? Me personally? Yeah. Yeah, I'm playing for Lanco Football Club. Everyone get on down. We play on Sundays. <laughs> okay. Nice. Can we put that in the show notes? Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> Come see Fran play, play football. Come, Register here. Yeah. Come see some absolutely terrible football. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Wonderful. Um, and uh, Fran, if you had uh, 30 minutes to pick the brain of anybody, who would it be and why? Oh, great question. Uh, I'm going to leave this career focused but lee russell um i don't know if you guys know much about her or people listening but she uh, is currently the chair of our women's football council here at football australia um has a really long career and really renowned career was a ceo of swimming australia at one point um was doing a whole bunch of things with afl now consults with a bunch of people but uh i've only interacted with her you know every now and then but Every five-minute conversation I have with her, I'm like, oh, my goodness, I need to pick her brain for another six days straight. Uh, she's one of the smartest people uh, I've kind of come across uh, in recent times. Amazing. Nice. We'll have to uh, hit her up and get her on the pod at some point in the future. I do remember her name coming up uh, on LinkedIn a number of times. So that's um, a nice, good one close to home to uh, mm. to pick out. For sure. Wonderful. Well, Fran, we want to get you on because you have just had the most – amazing experience in the middle of the year with the FIFA Women's World Cup in Australia. And I'm sure the build-up to it was incredible as well. But you mentioned it's you've got your new favourite sporting moment of all time off the back of that. I believe you're also at the FIFA World Cup final as well too, which would have been another incredible moment. And this isn't something that, you know, you happen to be in the right place at the right time and the right job to be a part of. Like you travelled to the FIFA Women's World Cup in 2019 to watch Matilda. So and you've been playing football for a long time. You used to work at Football Victoria. So this job has kind of been a long time coming for for what you're interested in as well as what you're doing professionally. So tell us, like, what what were the highlights for you? What what were the amazing moments where you're like, I can't believe I'm in this role right now in my own country? And, and tell us, were there any quieter moments as well where maybe in just a, some time to yourself you thought, wow, what, what have I just been a part of? Gosh, what even starts with a question like that? Um, yeah, I think, you know, I always had a pretty clear goal of working for the FIFA Women's World Cup, whether that was going to be in Australia or not. Uh, and the moment it got announced that Australia and New Zealand did win the rights, uh, I kind of knew I wanted to get there at some point and somehow. Um, and so, you know, it has been very much a, a life highlight, not even just a career highlight, to be able to, to kind of witness all these things. Um, and so I guess there were a lot of pinch me moments, to be honest, even in the lead up, we had a, a farewell match at Marvel Stadium 
Um, but to be honest, even my first Matildas match that I did at Football Australia, that kind of blew my mind. You know, I always watch them on TV and I'm like, oh, crap, I'm kind of now part of Football Australia and I get to see all the behind the scenes and be involved in kind of trying to change football in, in the country. And so it's definitely been the, I guess, greatest career decision I've done in a while. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, you know, sure, there's a lot of long hours, um, a lot of good days and bad days, but 100% do it again if I, you know, got the chance to. Um, but I guess alluding to your question there, there was a moment, I think, post the England game um, that night. I had a lot of friends and family or, or other people just tagging me in a bunch of videos. Um, and that night as I was reviewing kind of the scenes from across the country, that kind of hit me like, we've done something really awesome in this country. I remember someone tagged me in the Optusport kind of fed square scene that after Sam Kerr scored and that whole place, you know, kind of went mental, you know, never in my wildest dreams that I think fed square would be that packed for a you know, women's sporting event, let alone football in Australia. And so, you know, Melbourne's where I'm from and to see that kind of, you know, it was midnight at that point when I saw it and I was like, damn, that was something we've done really cool. Sure. On field results, everyone wants Australia to win the world cup, but, to kind of see the whole of Australia get around football at that point was kind of insane. It blew my mind. Amazing. Yeah. I think we can all say that uh, that period was just insanity uh, for everybody. I've never been more invested in a sporting match in my life than that, uh, that England game, Franny, but can you do, um, can you hear about sort of the time when you, when you got the role, like where were you and and how did you react when you, when you accepted uh, the role? This is actually really funny. I think you, I've told you guys this either, but um, I was interviewing within this job as well as a job at, uh, at Golf Australia. And when I got, I missed the phone call because we were all at our all-star forum at Cricket Australia, you know, <laughs> MCG. It was like a Christmas party day, I think, <laughs> or end of season Wonderful day. Wonderful times. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it was like midway through someone speaking on stage, I couldn't pick up the call, but then they shot me a text. I was like, Hey, can't reach you, but we'd like to offer you the job. Can you give me a call back kind of, kind of message? And I was like, Oh my goodness. And I think I was next to Samantha Shreenan that you guys would have known too from Cricket Australia. And I was like, yeah. I was like, Fair, look. <laughs> and then as soon as we, we had a, a kind of lunch break slash break in the, in the forum, I went and gave them a call back. Um, and then we kind of formalized a few other talking points and contract talks and whatnot. But that was pretty much the day I got the offer and accepted it a few days later. Nice. And what 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 point in time was that? Can you give us a, a month and year? And and given that point in time, what what did you think you were in for with your expectations of a home FIFA Women's World Cup? It was around uh, March slash April because I gave them uh, a bit more than four weeks notice, just because I had a few things going on at cricket that I, I wanted to complete. And so I started at Football Australia in May. 2022 um which is only 15 months before a world cup um and the job being a legacy piece uh the timing probably concerned me a little just with how much we had to do in, in 15 months um but you know throughout my conversations with my my now boss as well as our head of um I got a lot of comfort in knowing that they, they've been thinking about this legacy piece for years and upon pretty much since they won the bid. And so even though I'm only coming in 14, 15 months in the lead up, uh, we could still achieve a whole bunch of things because we're well set up to kind of execute our plans. So the timing worked well in the end, to be honest. 
Nice. But in terms of the, the matches and the, the results and the TV coverage and the attendances, like when you first thought about working the World Cup, did you have what transpired in mind? No, we, we kind of debriefed after the World Cup and were saying um, we knew the World Cup was going to be big, but we probably didn't, didn't really understand that it was going to be that big. Um, obviously, on-field results really helped um, a lot of what occurred. But, you know, sure, we, we thought we'd still sell out the stadiums, but then to have all the live sides packed, you know, every second TV turn on to watch the England match pretty much, um, that kind of reach and coverage, to be honest, we probably underestimated a little. Um, and so, no, definitely not. We, we again, knew it was going to be big, but just didn't realise how big. And so it's definitely just changed the, the women's sporting landscape in Australia, you know. Um, it's not just football anymore. All the women's sports are, are kind of reaping the benefits, I think, which is awesome. Amazing. And can you share, like, some of the, I, I guess, the sequence of roles that, that led you to this role? Yeah, I started... Um, even before I took the job at Cricket Australia, uh, where Joe kind of offered me that gig or put me in contact, I was doing uh, my internship with uni at Cycling Victoria. Uh, and then that was kind of a three-month gig. And then they offered me a, a kind of casual slash part-time role with them. And it was in a development and events coordinator type role. Um, but while I was doing that, I was also working at, at Football Victoria as the Summer Sevens coordinator, kind of a, a competitions coordinator, if you like. And I did both of those jobs at the same time for about 12 months uh, and then gave both of them up uh, when Cricket kind of uh, gave me that offer. Um, and, yeah, so Cricket was just a, a three-day-a-week, six-month contract that, um, yeah, a few weeks in, they said, do you want to do five days a week for six months? Um and then the six months ended. And before you know it, I was at Cricket Australia for about five and a half years. So that was quite a while. Uh, did a whole bunch of different roles there. Did the, the Women's T20 World Cup as well, um, which to be honest, was such a high that the Football World Cup kind of came and <laughs> demolished that. Uh, <laughs> and then, yeah, moved to, moved to football. And it's nearly been two years here, I think, or close to two. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at. Survived a few your restructures as well franny didn't we good uh good times very good we times had, we had so many great moments at cricket you know we have a great dartboard that we could play on friday <laughs> do a lot of cool work yeah heaps <laughs> of work on friday um yeah good memes <laughs> the community cricket team uh loved uh loved uh lining up the chess pieces differently every six or 12 months didn't they <laughs> That's, yes, that is such a good way to explain a restructure. I love that <laughs> so much. Just different lineup. Let's change it up. We'll go four four two now. Yeah. Four three one. Yeah. Nah, it was awesome. yeah. Interesting, wasn't it? But all for the right reasons, Franny. It all Yeah, we learned well. so much through that yeah. time and there was still a lot of good people there that, you know, helped me along my journey and whatnot. So Yeah. Good on the band. Yeah. Fran, how did you know that this game development slash participation pathway was where you wanted to take your career? I'm not quite sure. I think, you know, growing up, I played a lot of sport, uh, although obviously it was football was my chosen sport in the end. Uh, I kind of got a lot of benefits personally from play, playing tennis and basketball and a whole bunch of other things. And so when I kind of, it hit me one day somewhere through high school that not everyone plays sport and I was like why not like you get so many community benefits you make so many friends physical benefits etc cetera, etc cetera. and so um 
I was kind of intrigued by why that wasn't the case. And so I was like, how can I kind of help that or, or work in that space? And so, you know, obviously then looked up sports management courses and then looked more into the participation space in terms of, you know, it's not even just um, women and girls playing more sport, but there's a whole bunch of other regional communities or diversity communities, um, diverse communities, sorry, it's not the right diversity, um, but just don't get the chance. And so how do we give them the opportunity to play sport and get all the benefits, you know, that I had grown up. And so it's just an area I care about, to be honest. And, um, you know, us three know each other through sport. Like, how do we give this benefit to everyone else in the world? It, it's it's insane that not everyone plays sport. It just blows my mind. Was there any particular experience or role where, you, where it like really, that really cemented that for you? Where you thought, yeah, I'm definitely in the right place. Probably not just because, uh, there's been so many different programs and initiatives that all gave different benefits throughout both cricket and football. And they all had the same outcome in the end. And it's someone either falling in love with the sport, playing or watching or, or volunteering. And so I think it'll be quite unfair to just choose one. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, it makes it easy when like you can do something that you feel so naturally passionate about and that's clearly come from you from a very young age and now to see it come out in in multiple roles not just at one national sporting organization but but two and not just like one groundbreaking women's world cup but a second groundbreaking women's world cup so you've uh we're, you've we're the next one let's just go to that one <laughs> yeah yeah rugby or something who knows what's next <laughs> <laughs> nice franny can you um can you touch on your job now so so what is a what is a legacy legacy programs manager we've got to get that right um can you explain like the focus of your role sort of pre-world cup during the world cup and now that it's finished what what does your day look like now yeah um to me i got this question a lot when i first started everyone's like what does legacy even mean (laughs) (laughs) so i've given this spiel about 60 times now but uh um i guess firstly from a football australia point of view we know that hosting a huge tournament such as the FIFA Women's World Cup shouldn't be just this great exciting thing that happens for four to six weeks that then kind of just disappears um if we did it correctly we could really leverage this once in a lifetime kind of event and opportunity to change football in Australia uh and I guess broader to that kind of women's sport in Australia and so Football Australia itself came up with this Legacy 23 plan which consists of five pillars um one of them's, you know, international tourism, which you naturally get through through a World Cup. The second one is about high performance. How do we get, you know, uh, a woman and girls pathways more aligned? Um, the third one is facilities. We all know, you know, in sport facilities is, is quite a big issue. There's so many football clubs as well as other sports uh, that just don't even have female-friendly change rooms. Um, and in our remaining two pillars are, are participation uh, and lastly, leadership and development. And so... I was brought in specifically for those last two pillars, um, participation and leadership and development, uh, which in short means one of my first goals are to get more women and girls playing football itself. Uh, We have an ambitious goal of getting uh, 50-50 gender parity uh, in in football, which is 400,000 new new women and girls playing football by 2027. And the second goal is about more women involved in sport full stop sorry involved in football full stop whether that's refereeing or coaching or, or working in football Australia itself or on board levels or kind of everything outside of playing how do we just get more women in uh, a seat at the table and so um during 
the lead up to the World Cup, there was a lot of preparation, a lot of trying to leverage, I guess, government, to be honest, to fund us so that we can roll out a bunch of initiatives to either support more women girls playing or, or lift the gender parity rate. And so that was pre-World Cup. Uh, during the World Cup, to be honest, it's still, still quite similar. We, as I think you could have seen, a lot of um, politicians came along to our games and we're trying to showcase football and why you should invest in football because, you know, it brings all these communities together. Um, but second to that, you know, we did a whole bunch of, of women leadership conferences. Um, we did a bunch of even uh, young women's kind of leadership workshops as well that we, we put people through to kind of elevate their leadership potential and be ready to be on boards and whatnot. Um, you know, so that was quite brief and my team just went off. But <laughs> it's then um, there's a whole bunch of things under that in terms of trying to change the landscape. Uh, at how we tackle both those issues but post world cup now uh, we still have the same aims and those five pillars now become kind of BAU to win us for football Australia and so I'm still right now focused on you know executing our women's leadership program that we're now done in three states we're going to Perth next week to run one in Perth uh, Tasmania is about to have theirs as well and that's all about getting more women working in football, to be honest. And so our goals don't really change. The title might eventually change from legacy to kind of women's football, but all our initiatives, the whole point is that it stays on post the World Cup. So we'll be working on these things for years to come. That was a really long answer, but you get my drift. Great answer. Yeah, and that was wonderful. <laughs> very good answer. Very easy to answer. <clears throat> very easy to understand like what the goal is and and what the purpose behind it is. In, in terms of a day-to-day, -day, in terms of operationalizing that, um, what were some of the things that you were, you were doing pre-World Cup that are now different to post-World Cup? Is it, is it all the same or is there new material to, to go forward and achieve this goal with? Some parts change in terms of naturally, you know, post-World Cup, we have more commercial interests. And so uh, you'll see, I'm not sure when this podcast is dropping, but uh, soon we're about to launch uh, another kind of community project that will help uh, more women and girls uh, play or coach or, or get involved in football. And that's all because we had a, a new kind of added commercial partner slash fund that we can access, you know, pre-World Cup. That was quite hard just because people weren't as interested or didn't think football was going to be as big as it was. And so that has definitely helped us in terms of, uh, you know, trying to, we don't really have to convince people anymore that women and girls sports uh, is kind of a commercial property. Everyone now sees it. They know it. You know, it's the first FIFA tournament that's kind of broken even slash made money. And so that definitely helps. But uh, in terms of the actual programs and issues, a lot of them still kind of continue the same, to be honest. We just have amplified a whole bunch of things by tenfold, you know, instead of just trying one women and girls uh, participation program, let's try 10 because uh, we know the interest is out there now. We've got that much, I guess, evidence behind us that we can try a whole bunch of things and see how we land. What is the the uptake or like the feeling from the people who are now part of your programs? How has that changed post-World Cup, given everything that's happened with the Matildas and the results of the World Cup? I mean, everyone just loves football more now, don't they? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, some things like... Um, Summer football, for example, takes place uh, normally across the country in a normal season. Like it happens in football in Victoria and football in New South Wales. Um, but the kind of immediate kind of data or oversight we had was that all of those programs pretty much were sold out in terms of all the registrations were full. 
um, immediately post the World Cup. Um, and you might not necessarily have had that pre-World Cup. Um, I know, you know, for example, in my local comp, sometimes there's only six teams across the summer, but this season there's going to be a lot more. That <laughs> it's yeah. There's probably three more divisions now, to be honest. And so everyone's willing to try football. And even people that don't normally play football are wanting to find out more. You know, we, we've got a whole bunch of... Uh, kind of data points on our websites, whether that's, you know, you're trying football for the first time or you're coming back that, you know, we can leverage uh, and try and put them in contact with the right people so that they can try football. And we're getting a lot more hits than we did pre-World Cup, that's for sure. It sounds like there's just like undeniable momentum uh, and it must be, it must be such a good feeling because I guess for you, like in your job, you just get to harness all that good feels from like a World Cup and just keep that rolling. Like, I'm sure there's been other events over the world where, you know, they might've hoped that a legacy program would be bigger than what it is. And like, it's sort of the, the flame goes out a little bit, but it just sounds like this is just going to keep rolling on and it's, it's not going to, it's not going to stop because of how successful it was. So does that sort of like bring you a bit of, um, I don't know, make you sort of proud and, and sort of so happy to get to work each day. Cause you know that like, there's just so much energy around what you're doing. For sure. I think, you know, even before I took this job, I obviously looked into what legacy meant, you know, for Olympics or, or for Commonwealth Games. And that was a common theme. A lot of people, or a lot of sporting organisations tried to execute legacy well, but just couldn't because, you know, for example, with Olympics itself, you're a committee that fully disappears, whereas Football Australia obviously still stands, um, which I think was... Probably not the first, but it's quite rare for the legacy staff member to be part of the NSO as opposed to the LSC. Mm. Um, I think, you know, obviously at Commonwealth Games, the LSC staff members were based at the LSC. And so then naturally that company folded and, you know, people disappeared. Whereas, you know, our team as part of the women's football department and legacy, we all still stay on. So we are able to continue it and make sure we execute our plans that we have set. You know, our plan is until 2027. Um, it doesn't end, you know, in 2023. And so that definitely helps. And, you know, I obviously care about football. So definitely, you know, being able to come to work and, and do stuff you care about makes makes working a lot easier. That's for sure. And I think most people that work in sports say that <laughs> we all enjoy our jobs, which is why we're here. Um, and so, yes. Amazing. It must make your role easier when the people coming to your programs like want to be there. They're super pumped after the World Cup. As like, I can imagine there'd be some programs done in the past where like, people just rock up because they've been forced to by somebody <laughs> whereas here i think you know if you've got the energy in your group then it makes it easier to deliver it yeah and to be honest football has it working for for it in terms of it's such an easy sport to sell um i know obviously as you both know as well at cricket it, it's much a it's much harder to sell cricket than football you know you got to have bats you got to have stumps you got to have helmets you got to have gloves whereas football naturally around the world you can put you know, two jackets as the goals and, and kick around a, a 10 if you wanted to. Um, and so that heavily works in, in football's favour, which is great for us. I felt like you are describing my high school experience for, yeah. for about <laughs> six years. We just chucked the jumpers on the ground and grabbed a ball and headed out to the Oval every single day, came back sweating bullets and stunk up the maths class. But, um, <laughs> you know, it was that easy to do. Yeah. Um, Fran, looking back, what were some of the... Um, challenges on your journey to getting where you are it sounds wonderful in the role that you're in right now you've had some incredible experiences along the way but I'm just wondering was there any sort of um, hurdle that you had to get past it at any junction to um, 
help you achieve your dream job? That is a great question. There's always kind of ups and downs, but I guess even now something I, I'm trying to, to manage is to not get pigeonholed in sport, I think is probably a good way to say it. Um, more in terms of at football, Victoria at cycling, and then at cricket, I did a lot of things in the community space. Uh, and now in football, 50% of my role is still in that participation space. But, you know, even when I was applying for this job, for me to be able to explain that I, I knew more than just the community space was quite hard and quite tricky. Um, even before I got this job, to be honest, I had applied for three or four other jobs in, in the 12 months before. And that was kind of similar feedback I, I received from you know, the HR managers or the hiring managers that um, that my expertise was in community and, you know, one of them, for example, I applied for an event manager role at a sport and they couldn't quite understand how my skills from community could be transferable to a different role. And so I had to do a lot of legwork to do, you know, extra PD at cricket and extra secondments at cricket to kind of upskill myself Um you know, and that's part of storytelling and even using LinkedIn to, to my advantage. And so um, I feel like even after this role, there will be a bit of that um, in terms of getting pigeonholed to, to community sport, which, again, I love, so I don't mind staying in it. But for me to be able to, to try other sports and other roles, I think it, it's still a bit of a barrier. And, you know, I'll just keep working at it and, and connecting with people and telling them the full story so that they can see see how the skills can be transferred. But yeah, just something to be worried of, to be honest, in, in sport, because people, for example, are a marketing manager in one sport, will just do the same marketing manager role at 10 other sports. Um, you don't really want to do that, I think. What were some of those upskilling areas that you had to work on? Were there courses, programs, other different things? What sort of stuff are we talking about? Yeah, so uh, one of the greatest things I, to be honest, I did at Cricket Australia was uh, I got put forward for the Women's Leaders in Sport program that the Sports Commission ran. Um, you know, Cricket Australia sent an email to all staff and saying we can put seven people up. Uh, I was lucky enough to be selected. Uh, but that in itself not only gave me a bunch of skills that I now still use, but gave me a bunch of connections within the company itself that I could then leverage. And so, for example, one of them was Patrice, who, who works in Team Ops, and so she then at one point gave me a secondment as a, a team manager slash put me forward for a team manager secondment with the ICC. Um, and so now if I did want to go for a team ops role, I could kind of use that as an, as an, as an example. Sure, my role title might have said schools uh, engagement officer or whatever it was, but I could lean and say, hey, for four weeks, I was a team manager. Um, and so I did a lot of things like that. Whatever that was, I did an event secondment, obviously, with with uh, our events team for Boxing Day. I then went to T20 World Cup and did a, a more team ops role as well. Um, I guess, you know, I wasn't uh, afraid to kind of network it and try my hands at, at different areas within the business, which to be honest, my, my manager at cricket was quite happy for me to do and worked in my favor. Um, and now I can obviously leverage all that when I'm, when I'm doing interviews or going for jobs and whatnot. So, so many things. You mentioned LinkedIn. What's can you explain the the method behind your madness there? My madness? How do you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, to be honest, I think uh, everyone has really obviously complex jobs, and whatever their job title is, I think they do a lot more than that. And so I try to use LinkedIn to tell stories or 
you know, describe activities that I do that I care about that I think will help in getting me noticed, I guess, by other people, to be honest. And so uh, even with that cricket one, for example, I shared about that team manager experience, um, highlighting, you know, that I was able to take it on pretty quickly and adapt and had a really good time. Um, but I think, uh, to be honest, LinkedIn is about selling yourself and telling people about what you do. So I sometimes probably post too much, but that's fine. Everyone can read about my random activities. <laughs> Don't even that's talk okay. to us about posting too much. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You too, on the other hand. Jeez. <laughs> Any danger of not being on my newsfeed for one day. <laughs> well, it's worked. There we go. That's it. Have you had anyone reach out and ask you about any of the posts that you've put up? Uh, a few uh, here and there, depending on what it is. Um, I think even uh, one of my first posts about legacy, there was someone who was trying to go for the legacy manager role, I think, at New Zealand Football. So uh, I'll kind of host partners. Um, and they were just asking me about the legacy plan and contacting through there. But uh yeah, every now and then I, I do get a few messages about either programs we've launched or, or initiatives we've launched or even just to, to say good things, to be honest. And so uh, it's definitely been good for me and I like receiving those connections anyway. So it's been great. Mm, yeah, I think it's a great thing because I find that even if people aren't messaging me over LinkedIn, if I go and have coffee with someone or a conversation with someone, the conversation doesn't start with, hey, what have you been up to recently? Mm -hmm. They'll say, Hey, Fran, I saw that you recently were out in Sydney CBD running that new program mm. for the upcoming FIFA World's, Women's World Cup. How did it go? Like it, mm. it cuts to, it helps you cut to the chase a, a lot, lot quicker, even if people aren't commenting or messaging, but everyone sees it. Yeah. Cause I think obviously uh, a lot of people in sport, I think are pretty time, <laughs> to be honest. So mm. most sport organizations are under resourced. And so, um, Anyway, that you, when you're catching up with someone, yeah, to cut through all, all of the kind of small talk, I already have knowledge of it. Absolutely helps. I do that all the time. Yeah. It's almost like it's normal just to check someone's LinkedIn before you <laughs> catch up with them as well. Ha literally happened to, happened to me today. Uh, <laughs> someone said, oh, I saw you guys are doing some work with Disability Sport Australia. And it was like straight to it. You know, <laughs> it, it's, like an, it's like an icebreaker. It's so easy. So. Mm. Another yeah, reason to get posting. Absolutely no shame either with stalking people. You know how it comes up and says someone yeah. sees your profile? Compliment. Cool. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't care that you know that I'm stalking you. I'm more than happy <laughs> to you too. Yeah, it means I think you're really cool and I want to yeah. find out what. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And if exactly. someone says, oh, I went to the effort to learn this about you from your activity feed, that just shows that they're very thoughtful and care about the conversation that we're going to have. So yeah, I don't find it weird at all. I'm impressed by it, if anything. Yeah, for sure. Um, Franny, quickly give us uh give us three key skills you need to do your your job. Oh, cool. Um, top of the list, stakeholder management. Um, football in itself has a gazillion different stakeholders, and you're always having to to keep everyone across a bunch of different things. So that will be number one. Um, number two, and as it simple as it sounds, uh, being a team player. Uh, I think regardless of what sport you're in or what department you're in. Again, as I mentioned, sports are heavily under-resourced, so you've got to always leverage all your connections or, or kind of interpersonal relationships to, to get things done. Um, thirdly, I would say uh, being a quick learner. Um, again, we had to do a lot of things on the fly in the, the past 14, 16, 18 months, uh, even at cricket as well. And so um, 
being able to pick things up quickly and, and kind of execute things well in a short time it is always helpful. Quick cheat sheet for anyone looking to uh, live the dream in a, a multiple World Cups. Yeah, Fran, um, I'm guessing uh, you wouldn't, you mentioned Joel Morris at the top of the episode. Have there been other people who have helped you along the way? And, and if so, what sort of impact have they had on, on your journey? I, to be honest, to be honest think I, I've been very lucky in this space. Um, Cricket, Cricket Australia gave me a lot of great connections uh, just because of how big the organisation naturally is. You know, there's like 250 staff or something like that. Um, and so uh, some of these people, mentors, they might not know they're mentors, but we, you know, catch up on a regular basis and talk career chats and whatnot. And so, to be honest, a few of them are your, your kind of podcast guests. First one being, I think, even Belinda Key. Um, sorry, Kay. Oh, yep. Pronounced that wrong. Sorry, Bell. <laughs> um, uh, you know, even throughout all my time at Cricket, we caught up every couple of months, even though, again, completely different department. She's in Big Bash. I'm in community. She always took the time out to kind of give me ideas, uh, you know, and I said I wanted to go into Rolex, what I need to do, and she'd be willing to help me out or even connect me with the right people. Um, but second to that, another podcast guest of yours is, is Rana. <laughs> Our good Rana friend. Hussain, legend. Yeah. Yeah, we... You know, we still catch up all the time and I'm always intrigued at, at what she's doing and uh, she's always giving me such nice encouragements, which uh, I think anyone that knows Rana knows she's one of the greatest humans of all time. Um, but then yeah, throughout that, there's, uh, I guess, a whole bunch of other people as well. I did an official mentor program uh, where I had Neil Darrenpool, who was CEO of Bowls Australia, Bowls Australia at the time and now it's like at the international Bowls um, kind of level. Um, we got paired up and we caught up every kind of two months as part of an official mentor program and he was great for me as well and then there's a bunch of other people to be honest anyone that I've interacted with that that is willing to lend me their time and let me talk at them for half an hour absolutely does does Jum Cornby get a mention in, in terms oh, of playing a does. role he does he does <laughs> like I mentioned he, he gave me a lot of chances to do a lot of things yeah <laughs> really <laughs> set me up here but don't tell him that because uh, no. you know, don't want him to well, get a big head. Mm-hmm. He's a he's a big listener of the show, so he'd be um he'll he'll hear this, so I'd be worried. <laughs> um, uh, James Cornby, your direct manager at Cricket Australia, right? Yeah, yeah, he was, and so again, he was very open for me. You know, doing two or four weeks of comments and whatnot, and was supportive of me expanding my skill set. So he does again get a, a shout out, but we won't tell it to his face. No, nah, <laughs> not at all. Um. <laughs> what's next for you where, where do you want to end up and i guess like how are you how are you making yourself i guess prepared for for what the future looks like i know you mentioned you, you kind of always have to be learning and and learning new skills and, and doing you know things just to better yourself but i guess what what is that end goal where, where do you want to get to there's there's so many goals i think <laughs> a clear one for me is uh, to work at the Olympics, and I'm sure that's the goal of a lot of people, um, specifically the, the 2032 uh, Olympics, and more probably in a sport operations role. Um, and so whether that's for cricket or football or whatever it is, you know, that's so far away. I've not really thought that far in terms of what I will need to do specifically, but I know that from now until probably 2030, I would be doing a lot of things to prepare myself to, to be ready for when a job does come up that I am interested in. And even now, to be honest, I'm keeping out for those that have started at, at, at Olympics and keeping them in my, you know, hit up for coffee list <laughs> next time I'm in Brisbane or next time 
someone else starts and they're based in the city I'm in. Um, but, yeah, always doing PD. We're, I'm about to do another women's leadership course through football um, that we're kind of putting on for our staff here that is the same program we rolled out, but I think I might go in and, and do the program as well. But, you know, I'm constantly networking and learning. Um, probably won't do any more studying, if that's the question. Uh, I hate studying. I think I did a deacon as well. Not doing an MBA anytime soon or a postgrad. Sorry, not sorry, but that's not for me. <laughs> if you are going to do one, you'll do it at deacon though, won't you? Um, uh, yes. Yeah. Should we just keep talking about deacon? Because I'll happily do that. <laughs> oh, do. Speaking of which, sorry, this is a late, yeah, late note, but um, even Katie Rowe from deacon was a good help to be honest. She paid me with Joel, who then obviously things went that way. Um and even when I started the job at Football Australia, she, she kind of hit me up and congratulated me and whatnot. So unofficially, also helped me throughout my career, but Deacon, shout out. Very good. Kate is an absolute legend, so um, <laughs> a well-deserved shout out. Yeah. And um, good to know that you've still got things on the horizon. I would have thought that, you know, two, rec- two record-breaking World Cups would have been enough for, for anybody. But here's uh, yeah, so always we have a, more. We have... We have a 10-year break before we then go to the Olympics. You know? yeah. <laughs> 10 years of normal yeah. World Cups and just 10 years of Go time. hibernate for a bit, come yeah. back, do it all again. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, Fran, any advice for uh, people looking to be in your position? If you could go back in time and give your younger self uh, a couple of words of wisdom, what would you pass on? Oh, geez. I feel like a lot of what we talked today, talked about today is probably the tips you would take in, you know. Um networking which you know which is what sports grad is ultimately built for is is so important um and that doesn't stop the moment you're in a sports job or in your dream role to be honest and so that I would put as the number one advice uh I think I did pretty okay when I was starting at my career but I feel like there were a whole bunch of other moments that kind of pop up in my mind every now and then I was like oh I skipped that event because I was lazy or wanted to go do something else instead uh, when there are, when I could have easily met my future employee there, or employer there, sorry. Um, and so I think the advice is don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Um, I, again, still get random messages for coffees, uh, for catch-ups. And we, we being you guys or me or anyone else working in sport, uh, you know, we're happy to get uh, kind of that message on LinkedIn or, or wherever you, you kind of hit people up in your space. But um, you know, a lot of people do that for me. And so it's kind of like a cycle. Now I want to help the others uh, do the same and, and give them a foot in where I can. And so, yeah, don't be afraid to just hit people up. If they say no, they say no. You know, I think you, people have said that on your podcast before too, but it's so true. And we're not just saying it for lip service, to be honest. We, we mean it in a practical way. Nice. Some good advice. Speaking of, uh, speaking of helping people, uh, you're going to be joining us at, uh, on November 16 at our Sydney meetup. Uh, to chat about football Australia and all things Matilda's FIFA World Cup. Uh, are you pumped? Are you excited? What what's your what's your advice for people on the fence who are thinking, mm, should I should I go along to the sports grab meetup? Should I not? What would you say to those people? Come and listen to you talk. What do you got in store for us? Oh, probably that's not the selling point, not listening to me talk, but the whole again, <laughs> what we were just mentioning, <laughs> networking and not missing the opportunity. There's gonna be, you know, a whole heap of people there. And again, just don't know who who you might randomly chat to at the bar or in the bathroom or uh, throughout the night. And so um, 
like I said, I had a couple of moments in, in my career where I was like, oh, I should have gone for that thing. This is, I think, one of those things for, for uni students or even postgrad students or people already in the industry. It's such an easy setup you guys do. It makes things so comfortable. You can absolutely go up to randoms and no one's going to think you're a weirdo. Like, <laughs> it's the perfect kind of setup you guys have done. And so definitely come along. Uh, I don't know who your other speakers are, but I'm sure they'll be great to listen to. I'll just ramble about football and how great it is, which I feel like will bore people because we've been talking about it for six months straight now. Well, if the Olympics is on your radar, you might have to come to our Brisbane meetup, which is happening the night before the Sydney meetup, because we've got Tom Hickey, who's a director of uh, commercial on the panel up there. So um, he's got a massive job, what, nine years, eight years ahead of the Olympics. So um. Yeah, if you want to come up and meet him, listen to him first, uh, create that connection, then feel free. But uh, you're right, we're hitting up Brisbane on November 15, Sydney November 16, then Melbourne November 17. And then Ryan, you're off to Perth for a, a big meetup over there on November 22nd. So yeah. we're very lucky to have you as one of our panelists. It's going to be uh, fantastic lobbying more questions and going a bit deeper into uh, all things uh, FIFA Women's World Cup, as Ryan said. Great. Can't wait. Bit of like Franny uncut, you know, like not not on the podcast. We can we can dig a little bit, uh, you know, get the real story. You know, that might not tell us what you really think. Yeah, um, it'll it'll be more the embarrassing stories. Like, hey guys, (laughs) did you know I got locked in the MCG bathroom at one point? No worries. (laughs) Really? Well, people are going to have to come come along and uh, and hear that story. Exactly. Um, But no, it's super exciting. Um, Ruse, before we uh, wrap it up, any other episodes? Related to Franny that we can uh, pass on to our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, on the topic of um, Football Australia and the FIFA Women's World Cup, Sam Hickson is one of our favourite sports grad members, event manager at Football Australia. He shared his career journey with us in episode 247, how to be an event manager uh, at the FIFA Women's World Cup. I just saw him over in Wembley, of all places, for the Socceroos friendly against England, which was absolutely huge. 81,000 people there and Sam's on the field managing that match from a football Oz point of uh, perspective. And then uh, you mentioned Rana Hussain, diversity and inclusion consultant. She's in episode 238. So uh, another magnificent guest there who, um, yeah, you might enjoy. Brilliant. Well, Franny, thank you so much for joining us. As I said at the top of the app, uh, it's been a long time coming. We've always been keen to get you on. I think it's never been a better time now that you've had this incredible experience at the World Cup to come and share some of your experiences early on in your career and and now currently at Football Australia. So we really appreciate coming on and uh, good luck with uh, the legacy of the World Cup. We can't wait to see where uh, women's football continues to go in Australia. So thanks again for joining us. No, thanks for having me. It's been fun to reconnect with you boys as well. Um, but if anyone's in Perth for the next 10 days, the Matildas have the Olympic qualifiers. Come on down. I'm not sure when this episode is dropping, but come anyway. <laughs> actually, I just I just did this with um with Sam, actually, because Sam, Sam, who I mentioned, the podcast guest, he's going to be over there. Um, but those who have been following the show will know that I stayed with one of our sports grad members in Portugal. I stayed with his family for, for two weeks in Lisbon. His name is Francisco Garcia. He is in Perth for a couple of weeks and I just hooked him up to chat with with uh, Sam. I'm going to connect him to you too. If you, I didn't know you were going to be over there. So I'm going to connect him with you as well to um, go and have a chat because before coming to Australia, his job was commercial partnerships executive at Sporting Lisbon of all, of all the football clubs in the world. So um, um, 
I'll put you guys in touch. Right. Can't wait. Thanks, Franny. Thanks, guys. Guys, it's time now for the people's segment of the SportsGrad podcast, which is Ask SportsGrad, where every week we answer a, cre- a question directly from our community. If you'd like to ask a question first, become a SportsGrad member. You can find all the details on our website. You can join our next member drop and you can add your question to our Discord server. Rubes, this one comes from Rav De Silva. And he asks, any advice on how to best get involved in volunteering? I naively thought there would be more information on team websites, but I can't seem to find anything. Great question. Mm-hmm. And um, that is one of the uh, dilemmas of the sports industry. The websites aren't always up to date and the roles don't always get advertised, which is why we keep talking about the fact that 80% of roles in the sports industry live in the hidden job market. So the best way to get these volunteer roles or any roles that you can't find from the website is to get out there and meet the people in the organizations. So for example, one of the great networking stories that's come through our community uh, led to a job at the AFL and um, Nathan Peroni, one of our members, he jumped on a sport sports grad community speed networking night and uh, got connected with another member, Lachlan Croft. And at the time, Nathan was working at the AFL in a customer service role and he, they, he knew that their team was hiring new customer service casuals. Lachlan needed some sort of role in sport to get his career going, chatted to Nathan. Nathan told him about this role that wasn't being advertised. And then Lachlan was able to throw his hat into the ring. Nathan helped him with the application. Three weeks later, Lachlan is working at the AFL and all of his friends are going, what the heck? How did you get such an amazing job? And that happens everywhere. For example, like if you want to volunteer with Melbourne City FC this A-League season, then the best way is to chat to the other volunteers. And to be honest, there's about a dozen of them inside the sports grad community at the moment. So uh, if you are a member, the best way to do that is to go into the offers and asks channel inside the community and say, hey guys, I'm looking for some volunteer opportunities. Is anybody volunteering in an organization right now who could use a few extra hands? And then from there, that's where these roles start to become available. For example, um, there is a a friend of the show called Jasmine Karuna who uh, was working for AFL Europe over in uh, London. And uh, she's on her way back to Australia now, but she put her hand up to help out with the Socceroos matches in England. And uh, she got connected with Sam Hickson, who we mentioned. And Sam said, hey, if you want, you can come and help us out at our match against New Zealand at the Brentford football ground. And um, and sure enough, Jasmine is now on the pitch with the Socceroos helping to manage the match day operations. That role's not advertised anywhere. It's because no. she went straight to Sam or because she posted in a, I think she posted in the Malar group. Yeah. And someone in the Malar group from Football Australia helped her get in touch with um with Sam. But seriously, those those roles you don't find on a website. It's all about who you know. And if you're inside this sports crowd community, then just chuck it on the Discord channel and someone will be able to help you out. Awesome. Great question, Rav. So thanks for submitting that. All righty. Well, if you'd like to ask us or any of our friend ask us or any of our friends in sport a question. Sign up to become a Sports Grab member. Each week we jump on 
weekly events. As we mentioned, we got speed networking sessions, we got masterclasses, all sorts of content ready for you to consume. And this week we've got Chris Smith from Bigger, who's going to come and talk about esports, which is a really exciting area of sport as well. All these sessions are recorded, so when you get access when you join, sorry, I'm really I'm stuffing this one up, aren't I, Rose? When you join, you get immediate access to over 60 hours, I think it is now, which is huge of exclusive content. So jump on that. Finally, if you know someone who would love the pod, please send it on or give it a share. You can find us on LinkedIn, Insta, TikTok, and you can give us some love with a five-star rating if you enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Hey guys, one last thing before you go. If you'd enjoy a quick email from us each Friday on all the latest job openings, networking events, Q&As with industry professionals and latest podcast episodes, then subscribe to the SportsGrad newsletter. Head to our website, www.sportsgrad.com.au forward slash newsletter to subscribe. There's also a link in our show notes to join.